0: Hi, I'm Avi Melamed. The following is a recording of a conference call briefing I was providing on Sunday, December 23rd, 2018, following the United States President Donald Trump's decision to withdraw American ground forces from Syria. President Trump's uh, decision to withdraw American ground forces from Syria last week Caught the whole region, sort of speaking, of God. Nobody really saw that coming. Most of the um, analysts following that uh, part view that decision as a reckless decision and basically argue that that decision has severe ramifications. Uh, among the things that most of the analysts are indicating is a uh, substantial damage to the Kurds in Syria. The uh, decision gives a green light to Iran, Turkey and Russia to dictate the reality in Syria and basically excludes the United States from uh, that important part of the world. In addition, most analysts evaluate that following decision of President Trump, the potential for further uh, escalating friction between Israel and Iran in Syria is uh, significantly increasing. I would like with your permission to try and to look at the picture in a wider context and I'm basically trying to do what we call the zoom in and zoom out perspectives. The Middle East is experiencing an enormous tectonic plate movement. One of the major reasons for that is an enormous power struggle over path and direction and identity of the societies of the Middle East. Large segment of that power struggle stems from the expansion vision of the Mullah regime in Tehran. It was described more than 10 years ago by the Jordanian King Abdullah II as the Shiite Crescent. As of today we can indicate or identify eight different arenas of the Iranian uh, Mullah's expansion vision. The eight arenas are Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, three islands in the Gulf area, the of Bahrain, Yemen, the Gaza Strip, and finally, the Iranian nuclear military program. This power struggle centers in the region stretching from Lebanon through Syria, crossing through Iraq, ending in Iran. We are talking about 150 million people. That specific region is actually the northern branch or the northern arm of the Shiite Crescent. In the last couple of years, taking advantage of the chaos, the political instability, and the enormous turbulence in those areas, the Mullah regime has been trying to establish a land corridor, stretching all the way from Iran, crossing through Iraq, Syria, all the way to Lebanon, thus to further tighten grip on these areas. That vision or that scenario presents a severe threat to Israel, the Gulf states, as well as to Jordan. Following the uh, decision of President Trump to withdraw the American forces, one could notice that formerly the Arab Gulf states, particularly Saudi Arabia as well as Jordan, kept silent. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu made a formal announcement which was very diplomatic, Yet, when you look beyond the screen and in between the lines, one could uh, easily identify a sense of confusion, concern, and even anger among Israel, the Saudis, the Gulf state, Jordan, following the decision of President Trump. Beyond the screen, there is a lot of activities going on when the allies of the United States in the region are trying to understand the potential ramification of President Trump's decision and does it stand for any kind of change in his policy vis-à-vis the Iranian threat. President Trump's decision is indeed confusing, taking into consideration the fact that Trump's administration was very accurately identifying the Iranian threat, and thus was acting decisively and constantly to apply its policy and to restrain and block the Mullah's regime expansion vision. Thus, for example, we could indicate some milestones such as the resume of the sanctions on Iran, the increasing military presence of the United States in the area of the Gulf, the increasing of sanctions on Hezbollah in Lebanon, Iran's most significant proxy, the recent increasing of pressure on Iraq. In that context, the United States of America, for example, gave the Iraqi government a period of time of 40 five days to conclude all its relationship with Iran in terms of the importing of gas and electricity from Iran. These very days an Iraqi delegation visiting Washington asked for extension of the 45 days and that was positively received by the United States, given an additional ninety day just the same, the message from the American administration in different arenas and in different perspectives is very clear. The American administration is decisively acting to restrain the Iranian expansion vision. That is why President Trump's decision seems to be like, not inconsistency; uh, some would even say contradicting its decisive policy to restrain and block the Iranian expansion vision. uh, President Trump's decision has also a strange timing vis-à-vis two interesting episodes that happened just recently in different arenas in the Middle East that has a lot to do with the whole Iranian expansion vision. One arena is Lebanon. In the beginning of December, the Israeli government announced it has exposed Border crossing tunnels dug by the Lebanese Shiite terror organization Hezbollah, backed by the Iranians. Those tunnels has been uh, or supposed to be a major strategic card in the hands of the Hezbollah to be used in an upcoming military confrontation against Israel. Obviously, the mastermind as well as the major financier of the tunnels dug from Lebanon, crossing the, Lebanese, the Lebanese-Israeli border to the Israeli territory, the financier and the mastermind beyond it was the Iranian regime, particularly, of course, Al-Quds Force, the spearhead of the Iranian Revolutionary Guard. Exposing the tunnels of the Hezbollah from Lebanon substantially disrupt the war plan of the organization as well as its masters, the Iranians. It was definitely a massive blow to Iran and Hezbollah. Another arena, remote from Lebanon, thousands of miles away, is Yemen. Only recently, the Iranian regime sustained another massive blow in in Yemen, with the signing of an agreement, the Stockholm Agreement, or the Hodeidah Agreement, that actually ends the control of the Iranian-backed Yemenite Shiite Houthis, in the strategic harbor city of Hodeidah, located in the western part of Yemen offshore the Red Sea. The harbor of Hodeidah was the major vein through which the Iranians streamed to their proxy, the Houthis in Yemen, weapons, ammunition, experts, militants, and so on. Losing control over Hodeidah, and restoring the rule of the Yemenite government backed by the Saudi-led coalition was yet another massive blow to the Iranian regime. President Trump's decision to withdraw its forces from Syria comes in an interesting and surprising timing, exactly the same time that the Iranians are sustaining these two major blows in different parts of the region. Though the presence of the military ground forces in Syria was not in large numbers, the very presence of such force on the ground was enough to deter the Iranians as well as enough to create a pressure tool or card in the hands of the American administration in the context of Syria and beyond. Thus, it is very difficult to see how the withdrawal of the ground forces of the United States from the northeast part of Syria does not damage the United States strategic interest. It is even more puzzling given to the fact that in fact Syria by no way has become the second Vietnam of the United States. The United States of America, relatively speaking, did not sink in the Syrian mud. Another aspect that is also puzzling is the fact that abandoning the Kurds and place to the hands of the Iranians as well as other radical factors in the region, for example ISIS, who will now further market the argument which is already quite common in the Muslim and the Arab world, saying that the United States conduct cynical policy, that it is betraying its allies at the altar of its own interests. What are the immediate ramifications that we could see for now of Trump's decision and what can we expect in the near future? First, it is quite clear that Turkey benefits Trump's decision. In the last years, Turkish President Erdogan, who strived to position himself as the leader of the Muslim Sunni in the Middle East, thus creating, by the way, lots of tensions with the Saudis and the Egyptians, was able to create a sort of a Turkish protectorate in the north part of Syria, in the area between the Euphrates River westwards towards the Mediterranean. In fact, the major city of Idlib in the northern part of Syria and its vicinity became part of this Turkish protectorate. Turkish governmental agencies are operating in the northern part of Syria. Turkish flags are everywhere to be found in the northern part of Syria. The Turks are paving roads connecting Turkey and the northern part of Syria. Turkish currency is the major currency used in the northern part of Syria. In other words, Erdogan was able to create on the ground a Turkish protectorate. Its major tool. To that end was the creation of what is known as the Syrian National Army, a military force estimated at a couple of dozens of thousands Syrian rebels who has been nurtured, supported, trained and armed by Turkey. As Turkey has been struggling to limit and eliminate Kurdish sentiments of independence in Turkey, Turkey is enormously concerned with the possibility that The Kurdish de facto autonomy in the eastern part of Syria, in the northeast part of Syria, further fuels sentiments of Kurdish separatist, independent sentiment in Turkey. Erdogan time and again threatened to eliminate the Kurdish autonomy in the northeast part of Syria. President Trump's decision to withdraw from this part of Syria basically plays to the hands of Erdogan and makes him closer one step to his goal. It is less likely to see in the near future a massive military move by Turkey in the northeast part of Syria. Turkey could use to that end a couple of tools or cards. First, it could use the Syrian National Army. Second, Turkey could use domestic restrained military pressure, not necessarily engaging in a full direct collision with the Kurdish armed forces in the northeast part of Syria. And then there is another interesting development, recently reported, that a military force of about 15,000 strong, based upon Syrian, who has been trained by the Kurdish Democratic Party in northern Iraq. Under the leadership of Barzani, was recently sent to the Kurdish autonomy in northeast part Syria. That report or that information that still has to be confirmed is very interesting. The Kurdish Democratic Party in the north part of Syria, under the leadership of Barzani, conducts close relationship with Turkey. During the years of the war in Syria. Barzani offered more than once to provide his brothers, the Kurds in north Syria, with support as they are fighting with ISIS. His offer was politely refused by the PYD, the Kurdish in the northeast part of Syria, and that is because of the differences, sometimes even the conflicting interests between the two parts. It is thus interesting to see that the reports allegedly, about sending some 15,000 armed people back to Syria from Iraq, comes in the exact timing with the reports about Turkish intention to initiate wide military move to eliminate the Kurdish autonomy in the northeast part of Syria. Thus far, as I said, it is less likely that Tur- Turkey will turn immediately to use the card of wide direct military collision, while it can use the other cards that I mentioned before. One way or another it's very likely to expect that we will see now a process of negotiations and talks combined possibly with some military confined pressure that aims in the end of the day to basically end the Kurdish autonomy in the northeast part of Syria and allegedly to resume Assad's rule sovereignty, at least de jure, while de facto, one could expect that following such a development, Erdogan could accomplish its vision to create a Turkish protectorate in the north part of Syria, parallel to the Turkish-Syrian border, stretching all the way from the Mediterranean to the Syrian-Turkish-Iraqi border triangle. Trump's decision has an enormous impact also in the context of Iraq. Iraq is experiencing a growing tough power struggle between roughly speaking two major camps. One is the Iranian-backed Iraqi political factors, particularly among the Shiites in Iraq. And the other camp is also, particularly from the Shiite camp in Iraq, who opposes and rejects Iranian intervention in Iraq. Recent elections in Iraq in May twenty eighteen indicate that power struggle and ever since that power struggle was definitely increasing. However, the Iraqi was able to assemble the government, though currently it seems like quite shaky one. Trump's decision is very likely to deepen and increase and stimulate the inner power struggle in Iraq between those two major camps. Thus, on the one hand, we may witness a growing pressure of the Iranian-backed Iraqi Shiite militias, demanding the Iraqi government to enable them to cross the border to Syria under the excuse of fighting ISIS. Not surprisingly, of course, those militias are predominantly affiliated and associated with Iran. Their purpose will be to move further west, closer to the Israeli-Syrian ceasefire line in the Golan Heights. The other camp, the camp that is opposing Iran's intervention, is accordingly expected to further boost its rejection and refuse To comply with the Iranian vision. There are significant leaders of that camp, and the most significant one of them, Ayatollah, the Grand Ayatollah, al sistani who bitterly and strongly opposes the Iranian intervention in Iraq and opposes the intervention of Iraqis in any conflicts outside the boundaries of Iraq. Russia's benefit, sort of speaking, from the United States withdraw from Syria. Following its intervention in the war, in the fall of 2015, President Putin has been able to mark himself some very substantial achievements. In a relatively very low investment under the title of, of course, fighting terror, President Putin was able to harvest some major political and strategic dividends. His move basically caused the return of Russia to the Middle East and Russia is back in the Middle East to stay in the Middle East. As of now, Putin can mark himself the possession of two bases, naval bases and aerial bases in Syria, providing him access to the eastern basin of the the Mediterranean, the huge gas reservoirs, providing him an access to the south gate of Europe, providing him a base from which he could launch and expand his relationship with different states in the Middle East. It is no doubt that following Trump's decision, Putin's position in the region, and particularly in Syria, is further strengthening. Trump's decision has also very significant impact in Lebanon, in fact very immediate. General election held in Lebanon in May 2018. Up until today, the Lebanese politicians have failed to assemble government. The major reason for that was that Hezbollah, the Iranian proxy in Lebanon, actually vetoed the assembling of government, setting conditions for the assembling of such government. A couple of days ago, very shortly before President Trump's Surprising announcement, reports coming from Lebanon indicate that there was a breakthrough in the impasse and the Lebanese government is to be announced in the weekend. The breakthrough was the outcome of reportedly Hezbollah's willingness to compromise and to basically give up the conditions that he set. That was changed dramatically as of today, when the Hezbollah renounced and backed up from its previous consent. Analysts in Lebanon argue that one of the major reasons for that is an Iranian veto that came following President Trump's move and actually once again spin or turn up the tables in Lebanon perpetuating the situation of lack of central government in Lebanon. The Mullah's regime, following Trump's announcement, immediately made a couple of moves to, as we say, test the water. The Iranian Revolutionary Guards rushed to announce they are going to boost their ballistic missiles program. Iran has been conducting a military maneuvering in the Gulf, Though it was planned in advance, reportedly at some part of the maneuvering, Iran was provoking U.S. military presence in the Gulf area. And, in addition to that, one of Iran's Iraqis proxy, Kataib Hezbollah, announced formally they are willing at any given time to enter Syria to fight, allegedly, ISIS. The major question that lies ahead is what will be the impact of Trump's decision in the context of the Iranian vision to create a land corridor? Many analysts think that following the withdrawal of the U.S. ground forces from Syria, the way is now wide open for Iran to establish a sustainable land corridor. However, looking closer at that specific issue shows a a much more complex picture. Iran's capacities or ability to actually establish a sustainable corridor does not necessarily increase following the withdrawal of the American ground troops from Syria. One should remember that the major task of the American ground forces that were very limited, we are talking about 2,000 people and some 13 domestic bases, it was first and foremost to mostly advise and to a certain extent be it involved in the fight within the frame of the international coalition together with the Kurdish forces to defeat ISIS in the area between the Euphrates River and the Iraqi Syrian borders. The American major Tool to confront the Iranian land corridor is rather the Air Force. As of now, to the best of my knowledge, that tool and that capacity has not been removed from the stage and likely to be present in the future. There are other factors that are very substantial for the future or the odds of the Iranian regime to establish such corridor. When you look at those other factors, you could see that actually none of these factors basically provides a lot of support, to say the least, of the Iranian vision. First, Israel has made it very clear, it is determined to prevent at all costs the establishment of such a corridor, and it is determined to prevent the establishment of an Iranian-slash-Iranian proxies military threat in proximity to the Israeli part of the Golan Heights. Accordingly, Israel has been operating in Syria hundreds of times and made it very clear it will not hesitate to continue and to act as much as it will need it. That also reveals the military Achilles heel of the Iranian land corridor. Crossing through hundreds of miles of open desert from Iraq to Syria, convoys are totally exposed to aerial power. Other factor is the position of Putin and Russia. Putin is tuned to the Israeli messages. In spite of the recent tensions between Russia and Israel following the downshooting of a Russian airplane in the eastern basin of the Mediterranean, it is very clear that in the end of the day Russia is tuned to the Israeli interest and position. Putin on the one hand would like to see the Iranians and their proxies strong enough in Syria to do the dirty job on the ground, but on the other hand he does not want the Iranians and their proxies to be too powerful to the point they will be able to dictate the future arrangement in Syria. An Iranian attempt to further establish a land corridor or to increase its military presence in Syria will likely result in an Israeli counterattacks, thus resulting in growing instability, while Putin is basically looking today for stabilizing the situation in order to start harvesting the political dividend he's looking for. Putin is looking for a formula that will enable, in the end of the day, to create a political arrangement in Syria that will serve his interests. In that context, Putin has no intention to lie on the tracks for the Iranian Mullah's regime expansion vision. Other aspect is, as mentioned before, the power struggle inside Iraq. Though Iran has a strong influence in Iraq, the counter camp who opposes the Iranian intervention is by no means to be underestimated. In fact, it is very clear that the Iraqi current government is very much tuned to the messages coming from both the United States of America as well as from the Gulf States and particularly Saudi Arabia. On the agenda of the Iraqi government, the need to reboost boost the Iraqi economy, the need stabilize the turbulent political structure, fighting corruption, and addressing the many challenges of the Iraqi people. There are substantial powers in Iraq, powerful enough to be able to restrain, and if needed to push back, the Iranian intervention. Thus. As far as the Mullah's regime is concerned, Iraq is the major component in the context of the land corridor. Without Iraq there is no land corridor. It thus will be interesting to see in the power struggle inside Iraq which camp will have the upper hand. The establishment of a Turkish protectorate stretching all the way to the Iraqi-Syrian border is also not so good news as far as the Mullah's regime is concerned. Though Turkey and Iran has cooperation going on, one has to bear in mind that in the end of the day there is a long historic rivalry between the two. The suspicions between the two are not easily to be overbridged. Moreover, Erdogan, the President of Turkey, has no intention to enable the Iranians to be the ones who make the call in the context of Syria. And finally, one last factor that also presents a very substantial obstacle in the path of the Iranian vision vis-à-vis the land corridor is, of course, the sanctions uh, on Iran. according to a cumulative report, the sanctions are already charging serious stall at the Iranian economy, and it's expected to deepen, according to a very cautious estimation. By March 2019, which is the, mar- the month where the Iranians are resuming their budget, the yearly budget, inflation in Iran at least will reach the level of 40%, and some says much higher. It's very clear that Iran is facing a serious economic and social and political challenge, and this is deepening as the sanctions lingers on and deepen. Thus, when you look at the picture from different perspectives, trying to assess to what extent the withdrawal of U.S. ground forces from northeast part of Syria will impact the visibility of the Iranian land corridor, one must take into consideration the other factors that I just mentioned. And overall, when we are trying to assess the accumulative impact of all these factors, I think it will be accurate to say that at least for now and even though the United States has pulled out its ground forces from Syria, the vision of the land corridor is facing some very significant obstacles. To try to sum up the current ramifications and the short-term ramifications of President Trump's decision to pull out from Syria. I think it would be accurate to say that all the players in the region are carefully studying that decision and are very carefully, in small steps, trying to adjust themselves to the new reality following um, President Trump's decision. Thus, on the one hand, we will not probably look at major leaps or moves by the different factors, but definitely some small moves that basically aims to test the water, as I said before. The biggest question is, of course, will President Trump's move generate in a longer term a process of escalation? Will it basically resumes and further escalates instability in Syria? And particularly in the context of an Iranian-Israeli direct collision in Syria. One should remember that Syria to a large extent already turned into an Iranian-Israeli direct collision or zero-sum stage. Manifested in direct military collision between the two for the first time ever. In the area between Lebanon, along the Mediterranean shores, all the way east to Iran, right in front of our eyes, a process of a change on an historical scale is taking place. Three Arab states, Lebanon, Syria and Iraq, has been experiencing for the last generation an accelerating process of disintegration that has been stimulated in the last decade, particularly following the growing Iranian intervention and influence. This is a region of 150 million people, and its strategic importance is enormous. Today, one global power, Russia, is basing its control and influence in this region, while two other regional powers, Turkey and Iran, are striving as well to establish their influence and impact in this region. Meanwhile, in the background, one can already hear The approaching steps of the Chinese giant. Between those states there are lots of tensions, rivalries, conflicting interests. However, they do have one common denominator and that is the promoting of an aggressive expansion vision fueled and motivated by, in some cases, extreme ideologies. For example, the Turkish President Erdogan lobbying and advocating and promoting the Muslim Brotherhood ideology, which already creates a lot of instability in different parts of the region, like in Gaza Strip, in Egypt, in the Gulf area. Other example is the Mullah's regime in Tehran that has been promoting a very aggressive expansion policy, resulting in messy violence in different parts of the region, in Lebanon, in Syria, in Iraq, in Yemen, It could be also a stage that could be filled by militant Islamist vectors, like ISIS, who will continue and take opportunity of the vacuum to try and to re-establish their control, and perhaps even try to expand it. Giving up its presence in this region damage the United States' long-term strategic interest. And one has to remember that what happens in the Middle East does not stay in the Middle East. Up until this point, the Trump administration identified accurately and rightly the seriousness of the challenge presented by the Iranian regime and its expansionist vision, and has been moving decisively to confront and to intercept the Iranian program. Successfully confronting the challenge presented by the Mullah's regime requires a combination of both diplomatic sanctions. And military presence of the United States in this region, thus far, the current administration was successfully applying those cards, and that means that the American administration should continue with that methodology. The purpose of American military presence in this region, not necessarily in terms of large numbers but mostly in terms of powerful deterring force, like for example an aerial force is significant because it is one of the major buffers zones that in the end of the day stands on the way of the Iranian expansion corridor plan. Therefore, the United States should continue and apply those methods in this region if it wants to make sure its policy vis-à-vis the Iranian threat will be successful. It is, after all, not only the interest of the region, but a global interest to stop And intercept the Iranian expansionist program. Thus, the United States needs to be present in the area between Lebanon and Iran, for exactly the same reason it is present in the area of the Indian Ocean and the Arab Gulf. It is, in the end of the day, the United States' long-term strategic interest. For more information, please visit my website www.avimelamed.com.